0: What's your dream? What's your goal? What's your motivation? What's important to you? What's your passion? What can you do to change the world? This is What's Involved. Conversations with thought leaders and changemakers from around the world. Hear stories of hope and inspiration to help motivate people like you to live your life, find your passion, and live your dream. Together, we can all bring positive change to our world. Now, here's your host, David Watts. And once again, it is What's Involved, another
1: special guest today. I was fascinated when I found out about this man. And I thought I need to talk to him some more because as I think I'm, I'm getting, you know, my head around some of these IQ, EQ things, he comes up with something new. And not only is it something new, it is uh, something that makes a whole bunch of sense to me. Who is he? He is Rich Elderton. And what we're going to be talking about is something called adaptability intelligence. Hello, Rich. Welcome. Good morning. Hi, David. Thanks for having me on. That's an absolute pleasure. As I said, I was I was fascinated um, when I came across uh, you and what you did. Um, adaptability. I think this is kind of you know we're, we're right in the middle of those times because. Many of us never thought that this this last two years would ever happen. I mean, I certainly didn't see it coming. Um, and change. I always say that, you know, I'm all about change. I just don't want to be around when it happens. Uh, <laughs> and we've had to. We've all been, been forced to change. So before we get into what adaptability intelligence is, Rich, tell me a little bit about yourself. Give me your history and uh, how you got to where you do today? Okay, um, thanks. Yeah, so um,
2: I come from a very stable background, and I, I, I wonder if that might be the reason that I've had such a love of change my whole life. My, my parents were were both um, medics, um, and I grew up and lived in the same village in in Southeast England, um, and and maybe that gave me the wanderlust that that I eventually found. Uh, because I ended up living in in several parts all over the world, um, but my journey really professionally started when I left uh, university. I, I I started off making gummy bears on the shop floor, up to my arms in gelatin. Um, it was a it was a glamorous start to the career, but I progressed uh, through there. Um, ended up running a billion dollar global supply chain for a big dairy company, uh, a job actually that took me to South Africa uh, several times. We had a uh, an, an office in, in Pinetown in Durban. Um, but uh, from there, um, I ended up reinventing myself again to be CEO of a, a sales and marketing uh, division of the company running down under. So, um, so I relocated down to New Zealand where I ended up living for nine years and where I, I set up uh, the business because it's a privilege, huge privilege to become a ceo you you have an oversight and an overview of the company that is rare um and of course, you get to do lots of different things it's a highly varied job. but what I really saw on my journey you know from the shop floor through to to the boardroom was that It didn't really matter where people were from, what their background was, how old they were, what level they were in the organization. I concluded that most people resist most change most of the time. And that's not really quite so surprising when you consider that we are pre-programmed. We evolved to perceive change as a threat to our security, it's why we're still here as a race, fifty thousand years on, and you know we've outlived the saber-toothed tiger, which was you know above us in in the food chain. So, having made that connection, I I realised that I'm I'm quite lucky. I'm certainly not unique, but it seems to be rare that people have as much of a love of change as I do. So I I kind of just decided that I should dedicate my entire professional life to helping as many people as I can to enjoy change as, as much as I do. Um, being CEO was great, but there are parts of the job like making rich people richer and, and stakeholder management and having to involve lawyers every five minutes to make sure that you've told the markets what you should be telling them and not telling them what you shouldn't be and you know all of that bureaucracy that goes with it. And I I just decided that I, I, I wanted to dedicate myself to... Um, this this cause of helping be- people become more adaptable, um, and and so having been down under for five years, and, and I wasn't really ready to leave. You know, New Zealand is an absolutely fantastic uh, country. Um, so I set my business up down there back in late 2014, um, and uh, yeah, picked up um, a good few number of clients. Um, and uh, and then uh, we were never going to be down in New Zealand forever, um, and, and we, we've got friends and family back here in England. So, what was supposed to only be a three-year journey ended up being nine years. I stretched it out as much as I could, but but we had to come back, um, and, and I'm very glad, very glad that we did too. So we came back three, four years ago, um, and so after that world tour of living 20,000 kilometers from from where i grew up i'm i'm now a mile down the road from uh, from my parents who luckily are still very fit and healthy so uh, so yeah so i i transferred the business the good thing about setting up the business down there was i knew that being a consultancy of course it would be highly portable um and so so i brought it back Here, Uh, little did I know (laughs) that uh, the disruption that Brexit and then COVID, um, and then you know Ukraine would happen. Um, You couldn't write this script if you were trying to convince people that the world is changing and changing in ways that we could never see. As you said in your intro, then the last two years have really surpassed even my expectations of of just how volatile and dynamic the world is.
1: And the amazing thing, Rich, is, is that, you know, number one, that you, 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 you sort of uh, zeroed in on this idea of change and adaptability. Uh, and, and before all of this happened, did that help you in terms of when um, COVID started? And then obviously, I mean, the world is still in turmoil. I'm, I'm waiting to read a news report that says the zombie apocalypse has started. Uh, <laughs> but, but did it help you? D- did it help me in terms of getting people to understand how important adaptability was? Well, number one, yes, that, but also more importantly, in terms of your own business, because I know many, many, many businesses across the world, and, and particularly the smaller guys, were, we're hit incredibly hard. And uh, there were so many job losses, it was it was frightening. Uh, were you able to weather that storm because You'd set your business up the way you had? Okay. So there, there are a couple of things. that's a
2: really, really good question. Um the, the first was uh it wasn't a level playing field for me because sooner, well, just as we all went into lockdown, um, I had to I had to go through a, a couple of changes of my own that that I hadn't foreseen. Uh, isn't that always the way with with a lot of change? Um it just Literally, at the time that the UK was going into lockdown, um, I was told that I had cancer um, and, and I was told I had cancer of the tonsils. I mean, who even knew that was a thing, right? Um, so uh, they'd taken my tonsils out and I knew I was kind of 40 years too late to the party to expect to be given ice cream. But to be given the news that, you know, I had cancer, I, I thought was a bit harsh. Um, so uh, that that took me out of quite a bit of 2020, um, but I was given the all clear um, and, and all was well, um, and and I actually found out that I had a very mild form of cancer. So I was at the very lucky end of a unlucky spectrum, and I'd only been given the junior part time off peak associate membership of the Big C Club and um yeah t- tonsils is a is a fairly minor thing especially if you get to it early which luckily we did and then i had um about 6 weeks of grace um and as the uk went into second lockdown um i just restarted playing field hockey um, but then that all stopped because of covid and 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 no games were happening so i started running now you can't see me but i'm not built for running um But every time I do a fitness regime and and a boost, you know, uh, whatever fitness standard I am, I normally get better. But that didn't happen this time. The more that I ran, the less distance I could go before I ran out of breath. And I started having this pain in my chest. So, of course, it's obvious when I say that what's going to happen next. But it wasn't obvious to me because only 18 months before that, I'd cycled the length of Britain with some mad friends. Um, so I thought, well, that can't be, it can't be anything heart related for me. And of course it, it turned out that it was. Um, and I ended up having a, a triple bypass just, just a year ago. Um, so I'm I'm actually in better shape now than I've ever been. I've, I've bypassed all the dodgy bits of my arteries and my heart was never damaged. Um, I, I know that I haven't got cancer because they keep prodding and poking me and shoving cameras down my nose. Um, so I'm I'm in really good shape. But all of that kind of kiboshed um, my, my re-entry back in into uh, UK life. Now, the other part of the answer to your very good question is that you'd think, wouldn't you, that um, all of this, uh, it's like I'm a soothsayer. You should talk to me about adaptability because the world is going to change in ways that we couldn't predict. Oh, look, it happened. Rich, you must be ch- some kind of genius. Let's form an orderly queue outside your door um, to talk about how we can make our organizations more adaptable. Well, that hasn't happened, which is a bit of a surprise to me. So here's how the conversation goes. Whenever I have a cup of coffee, like we virtually are right now, David, do you think that adaptability is important as a life skill, as a commercial skill, as a social skill in a world that is changing fast? Yes, absolutely. Okay. What are you doing about that? Um, absolutely nothing. Um, we, we, we do general leadership training for our people, you know, the, the standard communication stuff and, and constructive conflict and strategy setting and the importance of culture and all these good, good things. Okay, so you're not, you think it's important, you're not doing anything about it. Does that mean that you think that your people are already as adaptable as they need to be? Oh, goodness, no. Every time we start a project, we have to get over huge amounts of inertia. Um, and that doesn't seem to get any less the more projects we do. It's like change, change projects change what people do, but it doesn't change their relationship with change. Um, okay, so you, uh, you understand that your world is moving fast. Do you think that your external environment is moving faster than your internal environment? Hmm. Well, yeah, it's probably moving faster than we are. So, what's the only logical conclusion of that situation? If your world is moving faster than you are, the only thing that can happen in that situation is that you will start to fall behind if you're not already until you fall over. Um, and, you know, when you follow that train of logic of thought, it, it's like the scales fall from people's eyes. But um, I, 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 it's surprising to me that that people need to have that spelled out to them. So I, I, I'd be I'd be delighted to get your view, David, on why you think that that might be, or or, or have I just met a whole bunch of unadaptable people?
1: I d- I don't know, Rich. This is something, and I'd like to get into this. So I tell you what, uh, when we come back, let's dive a little bit into this and, and talk about this adaptability thing. Um, because, yeah, as you mentioned, we are hardwired to stay in our comfort zones. But uh, we'll chat about that when we come back. This is What's Involved. My special guest is Rich Elderton, and uh, we're talking about adaptability, intelligence. Yeah, when we come back, let's see if we can unpack that a little bit more. This is What's Involved. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. More next... And we're back. It is What's Involved. My guest is Rich Elderton talking about adaptability intelligence. So the question was, uh, do I think that there is a need for, for adaptability intelligence? Um, I do. I must be honest, which I do. Um, and if I think, just think back to myself. Um, and, and, and one of those things that I'll give you a prime example of is is when we started off this conversation, Um, you started it off all prepared with your video on, and, uh, my camera wasn't even plugged in because I hate video. I think it makes me look like a big bullfrog, um, (laughs) and, and that is something, I mean, gosh, everybody's doing it at the moment. Why am I so worried? It's not like I've, I've got a third eye or, you know, I've got warts on my nose or something. I'm, I'm okay, I guess. But. There's this resistance to change all the time. And I remember, I think it was Tony Robbins who said, uh, we do things for two reasons. We're either moving uh, towards pleasure or away from pain. And I think for a lot of people, maybe this resistance is like, no, don't change anything. I'm I'm comfortable where I am. What worries me is that people are are, are saying, yeah, no, it's a problem. Um, But are are they fixing it? are people addressing this because when I, as I said, when I came across your info, rich, I, I thought, this is something everybody needs. Good, Good. go tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> tell fifty of your closest friends, please. um so so let's unpack this a little bit a little bit more because you know i'm I'm one of those rather strange combinations of people who don't like change, I, I do get traumatized, and yet I am an entrepreneur, we, we run a digital agency, I'm on radio, I do the podcasts. So I put myself out there, you know, but uh, ask me, or tell me tomorrow that, uh, you know, we're going to have to move house or something, and I'm an absolute wreck. Where do we start? How, how do we do this? Because a lot of times, you know, they go, who was it that said, as man thinketh? Um, but this man thinketh a lot, but doeth a little. Ah,
2: ah. okay, now, now you're getting to it. Okay, so why do, why do we resist change? Okay, before, before we, you know, the, the, road, the road to adaptability, to mastering adaptability starts with understanding why we resist change. And as I've already said, you know, we have evolved to perceive um, change as a threat to our security. So the most primal reactions that we have to change, particularly change when it's presented to us, I mean, change that we inflict on others, that's a whole different ballgame, right? Um, but the, the change that happens around us, COVID, um, you know, war in Ukraine, whatever it is, the, the things that we cannot control, but we have to deal with, that you know, they're unwanted, uh, they're unplanned and yet they're unavoidable. Um, so our most primal reactions are fear and anxiety. I do not believe that you can have a conversation about how to deal with change and how to become more adaptable without having a conversation about fear and anxiety. Now, I never said out to be a a well-being expert and I certainly wouldn't classify myself as one but I have done enough research and learning and understanding and and after 25 years of leading change you know in some of the world's most innovative organizations all over the world um you know I've 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 been I have inflicted change upon others plenty of times and and I've I've also been a pawn in the game myself and I know I know what it is to feel fear I know what it is to feel anxiety. And anxiety, by the way, is, is the emotion that makes you think um, without acting, which is what you were talking about, David. Interestingly, fear um, is the opposite. Fear makes you act without thinking. So there's just a nugget there maybe for, for your listeners that one of the first things we need to understand is that fear and anxiety, although they are used interchangeably in common parlance, they are, in fact, quite different things. In fact, we've identified at least five differences uh, between them. But if you if you think about fear, our most primary action, that whole fight or flight, everybody underst- everybody's a biochemist, right? Because everybody understands that the fight or, or, or flight response. But we are afraid to talk about fear at work. Um, it is not something that we discuss. We're mu- getting much better, I I think at talking about anxiety and mental well-being, but people are still afraid of change. And, you know, I've, I've put strategies in place that have caused people to feel fear. I've put strategies in place that have caused people to um, have to lose or change their jobs. And as leaders, we can't shy away from that because if we don't, then the organisation won't move forward and then there'll be bigger Armageddon for the whole company later on but we do have a pastoral responsibility of care that if we are going to inflict that kind of strategic damage on people, we need to look after them as best we can. We need to treat them as we would want to be treated. Or as somebody said to me the other day, we need to treat people as they want to be treated um, along the way. So, So the first step in becoming more adaptable is learning how to control your fear which can absolutely be done. You can't stop feeling fear, but you can learn how to control it, and that's one of the things we teach. Um, And you need to be able to manage your anxiety. And according to bodies like the American Psychological Association, anxiety is highly treatable. The problem is truffle hunting it out because we're all world class at hiding our anxiety, right? Um, and, and our closest, nearest, and dearest at home and at work sometimes don't know what goes on um, behind our face because we we keep that hidden. So the first thing to do is effectively get out of our own way, control your fear, manage your anxiety, then all of a sudden you can start to think clearly and you can start to see change for what it really is. And this is where I get excited because a lot of psychology basically psychology as a study has been around for 150 years but it was only in the 1990s that we really started of positive psychology up until that point all of psychology had really been focused on neutralizing a negative but that's not good enough that's not good enough for the kind of lives that we want to lead right So what we've got to do is once we are not afraid of change or anxious about change anymore, then we've got to to go to the next level, which is start seeing change uh, as two things. One, it's the best chance we're ever going to get to make a difference, to add value to society in ways that the status quo can only dream of. And the second thing it does is it gives us the freedom to explore the boundaries of what we are all capable of doing. If, if, you're, if you as an organisation want to achieve results that are beyond your current reach, you have to let your people go beyond their current boundaries to go grab those opportunities, right? That just makes sense. That, to me, is what empowerment really means. It's about going out there from your comfort zone, as you quite rightly said earlier on, and, and taking that step, that uncomfortable step, by definition, outside of your comfort zone, and then just exploring not the world, but your world, and finding out where the limits are of what you're capable and comfortable doing. And my guess, David, is that that's exactly what you do. You say you don't like change, and yet you do it. And that, to me, says that you have some drive. You have some ability to control your negative emotions, these raw negative primal emotions that we have about change. And and you're actually driving through that to the other side, to where you can see, change will deliver you or your purpose, the people you care about, the people you want to help, in the work that you do. For example, getting these kind of messages out, this wouldn't be happening without you.
1: Yeah, and and I've, I've got to tell you, you know, you're absolutely correct there. And I, I always think back to uh, my mentor, and, and he always used to say to me, "Fear. You can look at fear two ways." And he used to break it down. And uh, the one uh, reaction to to fear is, and this is a family show, so we can't swear, but it's, f everything and run. <laughs> or the other one, according to him, was false evidence appearing real. And he always said to me, you know, think about it. Just just think about this, because we are programmed. It's a knee jerk reaction. Okay, it's it's that little little Absolutely. part of our brain called the amygdala which is is there to go "Mm -mm, nope we're going to keep you from dying and uh you know another thing is that whenever I used to go through anything the, the question afterwards and I find myself asking this to people these days is but did you die you know you were so afraid of this but did you die um and the answer generally is no otherwise several of us would have a problem but let's get deeper into this when we come back this is what's involved my special guest is rich Elderton. we're talking about adaptability and uh, is that a form of intelligence we'll find out more from rich when we come back
0: we'll be right back with more what's involved david would love to hear from you to leave a voice message visit what's and click drop me a voice note
1: and we're back with what's involved. My guest is Rich Elderton. So, Rich, before the break, I mean, we, we established that, that a lot of us do this, um, and, and yes, we can power through it. Is it fair to say, though, that, that this is a journey nobody can force you to take? You, you have to kind of make that decision yourself, and then it's not easy, okay? At least in my, uh, in my instances, it hasn't been easy. But the results are amazing. No one can force you
2: to change. Sorry. Everybody can force you to change. You will will use this new IT system. Um, We are going to put a bypass through your house and you're going to have to move. No one can make you adaptable. Um, That is between you and your uh, innermost workings. So you're absolutely right that the, one of the first things i say when i start talking to exec teams is that there's only one person in this room uh, who can make you more adaptable you know and guess what it isn't me um i i can i can pave the road so i call it a roadmap the the adaptability intelligence um, model uh, is a roadmap and along the way it's filled with a whole bunch of antidotes um to counter the reasons that we resist change and a whole bunch of stimulants to boost the reasons we love it but whether you pick those tools up and use them is entirely up to you all I can do is is be the cartographer here in this process
1: yeah I I remember my my that's mentor of mine was he'd had some exceptionally colorful language and and little (laughs) stories and one of his favourite ones is, and I've edited it out now to to fit into this this environment. Is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to do bad things to the fish. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, but adaptability is—is uh, is there something that we can do? I mean, you, you you allude to the fact that we can change this. But I mean everybody tells you by the age of what five or six, seven, yeah, yeah, you're uh, hardwired. We're all hardwired in that's it, that's who you are. Uh in my experience, I found that to be untrue. Um, but that's just because I started to 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 look at things. So what do you have to do? Where do where do yeah. we start? Okay. I, another great question. You you should do this for a living.
2: Um I should, hey. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yes, there's there is that old adage, but there's a, there's a, a very good understanding now um, in neuroscience of this uh, phenomenon called neural plasticity, which is that you can change your brain, you can change the physical pathways of of synaptic flow um, through your brain, so you can change your own uh, behaviour. And it, and you bring up a really really important point because there would be absolutely no point in me coming on your show. If, if there was nothing that anybody could do about their adaptability. Now, most people think that it's fixed in stone. Why? Because when I ask people this question, what, what emerges is that people can't actually remember the last time that they became more adaptable, that that their relationship with change itself changed. So if you've got a whole history of um, being, you know, this level of adaptable when you see people around you, some of whom are much more adaptable and some of whom are less, and you just think, well, they were lucky. They, that, you know, that was a gift that was given to them at birth and it's baked into our DNA. And there's nothing I can do about it. Our one we're hardwired by the age of seven and you keep getting all of these messages and reinforcement, then of course, you're going to believe that it is something that's fixed in stone. And the very good news, of course, is that it isn't. Nothing could be further from the truth. And the reason that we call it intelligence isn't to try and sound you know, all academic and clever about it. It is to convey the message that it is something that can be learned. Intelligence is defined as the ability to acquire and apply knowledge, okay? So there is a whole bunch of knowledge that you can apply that, that I've assembled and curated um, from all of my research in, in the fields of psychology and neuroscience and all of the experience I've had leading change, myself in the field. And, and you can apply that knowledge or, or not, depending on how adaptable you want to be. So here's the thing. Right now, if you say to any leader, and, and, and please do try this at work, um, if you say to your leaders, uh, how do you manage change? How do you prepare your people for change? Their knee-jerk response will be uh, either one of two things, either, look, people are just going to have to get on the bus or get off it, um, which is absolutely brutal, and it will break the company sooner or later. That dictatorial approach uh, has no sustainability. The other way that they'll do it is that they will say, if they're in any way proactive and modern and progressive, is they'll say, change management. A phrase that is familiar to most leaders now, it's been around and, and for about 30 years, and it's proven to be very successful at getting projects over the line quicker because it looks after the people and the people are the bit that slow projects down. Here's the problem though, when you are dealing with some of the most difficult, risky, expensive, disruptive things that a company can ever do, put a new IT system in, change the organisation structure, launch a new product. What, what these leaders are effectively doing is saying, oh, and by the way, on the side, while you're doing that, can you make people more adaptable during that project? Well, one, the project doesn't have time, and it's, it's constrained in time, in money, in scope, in resources. Um, and, and the other thing is that people don't just change their behaviour during the course of a project especially when that behavior is so deep-rooted as is our relationship with change, you know that primal fear of it being a threat to our security. So a key message I need to get over and a challenge I'd love to put over to your, to the leaders who are listening to this is that change management is really good at changing what people do. I was using this transaction, now I'm using this transaction. I was selling this product, now I'm selling that one. But it is really absolutely rubbish at changing people's relationship with change. It doesn't make your organization any more flexible than it was. If it did, the more projects you ran, the easier they would get. Um, And unless that's happening to your listeners, in which case I'd love to hear from them, then change management doesn't work in terms of driving adaptability. It is such an important life skill and corporate skill that it is something that deserves, surely, to be a project in its own right, not something that we do on the side. Sorry for that, Rand.
1: No, 100%. And, and when you're talking about this, the fact that it can be learned, um, a good friend of mine a couple of years ago um, had two um, aneurysms in his brain, one after the other. Uh, prognosis at the time was, well, it's a miracle that he survived, but uh, this is him. You know, he's, he's going to be like a cabbage for the rest of his life. Um, fortunately for him, the people around him said that that isn't the only answer. And uh, they, he joined a, a wonderful organization here in South Africa called Headspace, uh, which is uh, they're all about dealing with, with trauma. And right. their mantra is neurons that fire together, wire together. Yeah. And by all the various interventions that these guys did, he's now damn near back to where he used to be. Um, you know, he's, he's, there's parts of his brain that were destroyed, but he's now rewired this and, and he's rewired all of these goodies because of this these practices. And and he's he's nearly back to where he is. I mean, walks, talks, has a sense of humor, all of the things that they said he'd never be able to do, he does. So neuroplasticity is definitely a thing we're running out of time as i always do people get so tired of me saying we're running out of time but we are when we come back let's uh, uh, see you know a couple more tips from rich uh, on how we can uh, become more adaptable and also you know he's been there so maybe he's got some uh, solutions that he can provide to us as well this is what's involved my guest is rich Elderton. we'll be back in a bit Hey, like
0: what you're hearing? Share the podcast with your family and friends and spread the word. This is What's Involved. And we're
1: back, wrapping it up with my guest, Rich Elderton, right here on What's Involved. So Rich, we now know, hopefully, that we can become more adaptable. Um, There are certainly benefits to being more adaptable. Um, I mean, we all had to adapt during the pandemic, so it can't be that hard. Although what I've noticed is I I equate it to a rubber band, you know, we all stretched uh, ourselves during the pandemic. And as soon as things started calming down, uh, that rubber band went right back to where it used to be. And we all became very comfortable. So. If you're a leader, fantastic. But also if you are somebody that is working in whatever environment, um, how how do we go about this? Just give us just a couple couple of little pointers. Sure, I'll do
2: that. Before I do that, can I just say to your rubber band point, there is a difference between resilience and adaptability. Resilience is defined as the ability to bounce back, particularly bounce back from adversity. And that's exactly what we've seen around the world with COVID, people cannot wait to get their lives back to exactly the way uh, that they that they were. That's that's not entirely the case. Hybrid working, for example, I, I get that. But but um, resilience is what palm trees do in a hurricane, right? They bend as we all had to in COVID um, with the wind, and then when it was over, uh, they go back to being the way that they were. That is not being adaptable. Adaptability is all about having the ability to bounce higher. So to come back from adversity and then actually, you know, use that positive psychology to go one step further. So adaptability is about being able to see even negative change as the opportunity to make a positive difference. You know, a blind friend of mine um, has gone on to do things uh, that he says he would never have done as a blind person, like climb Kilimanjaro and cycle the length of the UK um, and he's really used what, what something very negative that the rest of us hope would never happen to us. He's kind of glad that it did because it's pushed him to new heights. That's that's really what an adaptable mindset looks like. Now, let me give you a couple of uh, a, a couple of um, uh, antidotes um, to uh, why we resist change. I've talked about fear and anxiety, so let me give you very quickly one each. So the, the antidote to fear, we, we know it's all about fight or flight, and we our, our knee-jerk response, our instinctive response, one of them is to run away from the source of the fear. Makes complete sense when that source of fear is you know got big sharp teeth. But in the modern world, um, we need to run towards the source of the fear. So this antidote is called discovery. Um, so don't don't fight the cause of the fear itself. Um, Fight your response to that. Um, you have to overcome your initial prime instinctive reaction and run towards that fear. Find out everything that you can about it. Because once you know, knowledge is power, once you understand where you are, however bad the situation is, however irreversible it is, and you wish that the world was like it was 10 seconds ago, but that that, that world is never coming back. So you might as well find out everything you can about this world right now, because now is when you're going to need to make the best decisions of your life. Not when it's in easy street, not when it's in steady state running, but when the stuff hits the fan, that's when you need to be thinking clearly that's when you need to have all the facts and data around you that you can muster in that time to, to be able to make the best decision that you can. And that will give you some confidence to face the future, and that confidence itself will um, reduce that adrenalized response. Okay? So that's the first one, discovery. It's easy, you know, What that took me 35 seconds. It's easy to say it's very difficult to do and it needs practice, but it can be done. Okay? The second one is anxiety. Now, remember, I said the difference between fear and anxiety um, was that fear makes you act without thinking, anxiety makes you think without acting. There's another difference between them as well, which is that fear is your reaction to a clear and present danger. It's all about the present. It's 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 real. Um, well, let's assume it's real. It feels real in your in your mind. Anxiety is your reaction to what you think might happen at some point in the future. It's all makey-uppy. And a lot of what we're anxious about never actually happens. But given that anxiety is a result of our imagined future negative state, the perfect antidote to that, of course, is mindfulness, what I call informal mindfulness of just living in the moment. So I'm not talking here about the more technical stuff like meditation and yoga and all of those things that need lots of technique. Just learning to live in the moment. And this this has been of particular benefit to me. I was not a mindful guy at all when I was uh, climbing the corporate ladder and uh, and being a CEO. But running my own business and all the ups and downs that go with that, uh, mindfulness has been Very useful for me. So, the idea of mindfulness is that you live in the moment. Anxiety lives in the future. They are equal and opposite to each other. So, the more that you can be mindful and just be grateful for what you've got, and it's mindfulness is about letting go. It's about letting go of the past, the future, judgment. It's about just living in the moment and accepting and being grateful for and noticing what is going on about you right here, right now. And I guarantee you, the more you can do that, the less anxious you will feel. So I hope those two are give an indication of just how practical and simple these these solutions are. Simple to understand, anyway.
1: It absolutely does. And again, I revert back to um, my my mentor that I had, um, and one of the exercises that that he'd suggested I do is. Uh, because of the way I, I'm wired in terms of the anxiety specifically, is write out a, a, a what if plan. So what happens if the proverbial pawpaw does hit the fan? Make your plans and then keep that in in your bottom drawer. So if that ever by some miracle happens, you reach into your drawer, you have the plan for it and you can deal with it. And that was a great place for, for, for me to start uh, as well. And I, I totally get you on the on the becoming more mindful uh, route, but now, Richard, we don't want to do this by ourselves. Uh, do you offer any form of of training? Uh, you know, adaptability, finding out how to raise our adaptability intelligence.
2: Yeah, so so I do anything from one to one coaching um uh, if you if you don't even want to talk to me um, um you know that's that's understandable too um there's there's the online e-learning course that we've got on our website um then through to one, one-to-one uh, coaching um and then um the the full uh, adaptability intelligence program is a 7-day program that runs over 6 to 12 months um depending on on what the client wants and and typically I'll go in and work with um, exec teams and uh, associated leaders uh, working with teams of fifteen to twenty people um, at, at a time. Um, so, organisations of all sizes, uh, any industry, you know, as as long as as long as people in as long as organisations employ people, um, then
1: then the chances are uh, there's a, there's a, a reason to have a conversation. Wonderful stuff. Now, Richard, if you do want to find out more, what's the best place to go to? Okay, so all of my contact details are on the website, which is
2: www.highperformancechange.com. That's all one word: highperformancechange.com. Um, and uh, go to the contacts page. There's loads of blogs and information uh, in there. And there's a couple of videos on there as well. Access to the e-learning course um, and uh, and my phone number. Most importantly. And as I've indicated, I'm still working with clients in New Zealand. So,
1: yeah, have phone call, world we'll travel. Yeah, absolutely. In today's times, you've got to be prepared to do a lot of the stuff uh, remotely. So the website, highperformancechange.com. You can also find Rich on LinkedIn. Just look up Rich Elderton and you will find him there. Uh, lots of interesting stuff there as well. Rich, before I let you go, my final question that I love to ask uh, my guests is you've walked this path, you're on this journey. What's next for Rich? Um,
2: well, I have no desire. A lot of my friends are, are retiring at the moment, and I set this business up when I was 47, and I said to my wife at the time, um, if this goes well and if I can make a living out of this, um, I might only be halfway through my career. Um, because, and I think you've had guests on before talking about their purpose. Um, I figured out what, my, it took me 47 years to figure out what my purpose is. So what's next for me is just growing this business um, a, and reaching as many people as I can a, and getting the kind of emails that I get when I, I do get through to people and, and I manage to help them change how they live their lives. Um, and that just gives me the ultimate buzz. And, and I just love to keep on doing more and more of that um, uh, <laughs> until, you know, the cancer or the, the heart disease finally gets me or something does. But
1: but until then, I'll just keep going. Wonderful stuff. Uh, yeah, don't worry. Look, a little bit of, of, of you know, to, to give you a bit more perspective there, Rich. I mean, I'm, I'm going on uh, 55, and I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So, you, <laughs> know, you found your purpose. Well done to you, mate. <laughs> Thanks very much. There we go. That wraps it up. My special guest, Rich Elderton. It's A-L-D-E-R-T-O-N. You can check him out on Facebook or, as we said, go to highperformancechange.com. You'll be able to find out a whole lot more from there. Wraps it up for this edition of What's Involved. To each and every one of you, look after yourselves, take care, and thank you for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to What's Involved. We hope this episode inspires you to find your passion and live your dream. Don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast. And to see what's happening, what's going on, and what's coming, follow What's Involved on Facebook and Twitter at What's Involved. Thanks again for listening.